Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Agiostos. My name is Bill Dykstra. Today is November 27th, and today we commemorate St. James the Great Martyr. So first off, I would like to do some maybe like social media housekeeping stuff. We don't really advertise our social media on on the podcast, but we really ought to. We need to be telling you guys, go and follow us on Instagram, follow the Sword in the Cloud, and follow us on Facebook under the Sword in the Cloud, and you will see that we post pictures, we post um, quotes, and all types of good social media-esque stuff. We've been advertising the podcast and social media. We haven't been advertising social media on the podcast. So you know what? You got social media. Go ahead and do so. Share our stuff and let other people know that, hey, I'm listening to this this uh, this jamming podcast on the Saints. And, uh, and then we'd appreciate that. And then maybe we'll do some more... Uh, contests or draws in the future that if you share one of our one of our uh, episodes using a particular hashtag, then we will you know send you an icon or something like that. We've done that in the past, and we'll probably do it again, maybe in a couple weeks. Who knows? Anyways, there have also been questions about our branding. Uh, if the podcasting call is called the Hagios Dose, then why is the website the Sword in the Cloud, and why is all your social media the Sword in the Cloud? So I'll explain it to you like this: Do you know the the um, the food channel on YouTube called At First We Feast? They have a particular show called uh, Hot Ones, the celebrity interview show where they just eat hot wings. So what a Hot Ones is to At First We Feast. Theagiostos is to the sword in the cloud, and I hope that I hope that's clear. That w- that this is just one thing that's happening under the name of the sword in the cloud. Uh, Sarah has some things that she wants to get to work on. Uh, this is only our second season. We're only just beginning. We're not even a year out. So there will there will be other things in the future, and maybe it'll look more clear then as to what the heck it is we're doing. Anyways, on to the day's saint. Today's saint is St. James the Great Martyr, also known as St. James Intercisus. So, if his surname is any kind of clue or guess into what the story is about, if you know Latin, intercisus means to be dismembered, to be cut up. And that's exactly what kind of happens today in the martyrdom of St. James. Now, if you're maybe a little squeamish, or if the content is a little too extra for you, Don't feel bad about skipping this one because this one can be kind of morbid. In each finger that is cut off of St. James in this next door, in each each little member that that is sliced away from him, he it's with each one is a prayer. It's almost like a litany. He turns his martyrdom into a litany. He uses the numbers of fingers and toes and types of body parts as as um, symbolism for his prayers. And in a way, it's really beautiful, but also in a way, it's kind of hard to listen to. So I just wanted to give that warning first. Um, Today, I will be reading from The Golden Legend. Now, The Golden Legend is a collection of stories from medieval times of stories of the saints. It's not necessarily an historical book, but it is a collection of those stories that were kind of floating around at the time, and it kind of just condenses them. 
condensed, yet the main beats of the story are still here. The main, the crux of the narrative is still there. James is a Christian in the fourth century in Persia, and he is martyred by having each little bit of his body chopped off piece by piece. And afterwards, we'll maybe go into some of the things that James says throughout the narrative there and kind of bring some context to them. Because even though I found a really great translation, I was about to read to you this really old kind of clunky old English translation because it was the only one I could find. But in the last minute, I found something awesome. Really good translation, really clear. But there are still some things that you might need some context to. So I'll provide that after the reading. So without further ado, here is the martyrdom of St. James, the great martyr. St. James, called the dismembered because of the way he was martyred, was noble by birth and yet more noble by his faith. He was a native of the city of Alep in the land of the Persians, born of most Christian parents and wedded to a most Christian wife. To the king of the Persians he was well known, and stood first among his peers. It happened, however, that he was misled by the prince and his close friendship with him, and was introduced to the worship of idols. When his mother and his wife found out about this, they wrote him a letter saying, By doing the will of mortal man, you have deserted him with whom there is life. To please one who will be a mess of rottenness, you have deserted the eternal fragrance. You have traded truth for a lie. By acceding to a mortal's wish, you have abandoned the judge of the living and the dead. Know, therefore, that from now on we are strangers to you, and will no longer live in the same house with you. When James read this letter, he wept bitterly and said, If my mother and my wife have become strangers to me, how much more must I have estranged God? He therefore inflicted harsh penances on himself in expiation for his fault. Then a messenger went to the prince and told him that James was a Christian, and the prince sent for him. Tell me, he said to James, are you a Nazarene? Yes, James answered, I am a Nazarene. The prince, then you are a sorcerer. James, far be it from from me to be a sorcerer. The prince threatened him with many kinds of tortures, but James said, Your threats do not bother me, because just as the wind blows over a stone, your anger goes quickly in one ear and out the other. The prince, Don't be a fool, or you may die a dreadful death. James, That is not death, but should rather be called sleep, since in a short time resurrection is granted. The prince, Don't let the Nazarenes deceive you by telling you that death is asleep, because even great emperors fear it. James, we do not fear death because we have hope to pass from death to life. Upon the advice of his friends, the prince now sentenced James to death, member by member, in order to strike fear into others. When some people wept out of compassion for him, he said, Do not weep for me, but mourn for yourselves, because I go on to life, while eternal torment is your due. Now the torturers cut off the thumb of his right hand, and James cried out and said, 
O Nazarene, my liberator, accept this branch of the tree of your mercy, for the husbandman trims the dry branches from the vine in order to let it grow stronger and be crowned with more fruit. The headsman said, If you wish to give in, I shall spare you and bring ointment for your wound. James Haven't you ever examined the tree trunk of a tree? The dry tendrils are cut away, and in due season, when the earth warms, each nub left by the pruning puts forth a new shoot. If, therefore, the vine is thought to need pruning in order to grow and bear fruit as the season revolves, how much greater the need for a man of faith who is grafted into Christ, the true vine." The torturer cut off the forefinger, and James said, Accept, O Lord, the two branches that your right hand planted. The third finger was cut off, and James said, I am now set free from the threefold temptation, and I wish, bless the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With three youths rescued from the fiery furnace, I will confess you, O Lord, and amidst the choir of the martyrs, I will sing psalms to your name, O Christ. The fourth finger was severed, and James said, Protector of the sons of Israel, you were foretold in the fourth blessing. Accept from your servant the confession of the fourth finger, as blessed in Judah. The fifth finger was cut off, and he said, My joy is complete. Then the executioner said to him, Now is the time to spare your soul, lest you perish. And don't be sad because you've lost one hand. Many men have one hand, yet abandoned in wealth and honors. Blessed James responded, When shepherds shear their sheep, do they take off the fleece from the right side and leave the left side unsheared? And if the sheep, a dumb animal, wants to lose all its fleece, how much more should I, a rational man, not think it beneath me to die for God? Therefore, those impious men proceeded to amputate the little finger of his left hand. And James said, You, Lord, were great, but you choose to become little and least for us. And therefore, I give back to you the body and the soul that you created and redeemed by your blood. The seventh finger was taken, and James said, Seven times a day I have given praise to the Lord. The eighth was removed, and he said, On the eighth day Jesus was circumcised, and the Hebrew male child is circumcised on the eighth day in order to pass over to the ceremonies of the law. So let the mind of your servant pass over from these uncircumcised men with their unclean foreskins, and let me come and look upon your face. The ninth finger was cut off, and he said, At the ninth hour Christ yielded up his spirit on the cross, and so I, Lord, confess you in the pain of the ninth finger, and give you thanks. The tenth was taken, and he said, Ten is the number of the commandments, and is the initial letter of the name Jesus Christ. Then some of the bystanders said, O you who were so dear to us in the past, just profess their God before the council, so that you can go on living, and even though your hands are cut off, there are expert physicians who will be able to ease your pain. To them James said, Far be it from me to be guilty of so unspeakable a deception. 
No one who puts his hand into the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The angry torturers came and cut off the great toe of his right foot, and James said, Christ's foot was pierced and blood poured out. They took the second toe, and he said, Great, above all days is this day to me, for today I shall be turned and go to Almighty God. They cut off the third toe and threw it in front of him, and James smiled and said, Go, third toe, to your fellow toes. And as the grain of wheat bears much fruit, so you, at the last day, will rest with your companions. The fourth went, and he said, Why are you sad, my soul, and why do you disquiet me? I hope in God, for I will still give praise to him, the salvation of my countenance and my God. The fifth was taken, and he said, Now I shall begin to say to the Lord that he has made me a worthy companion to his servants. Then they went to the left foot and took off the little toe, and James said, Little toe, be comforted, because the big and the little will all rise again, and not a hair on the head will perish. How much less will you, the littlest, be spared from your fellows? The second was taken, and James said, Destroy the old house. A more splendid one is being prepared. After the third, he said, the anvil is made more solid by the blows of the hammer. The fourth was amputated, and he said, Comfort me, God of trust, for I trust in you, and in the shade of your wings I will hope until iniquity passes away. The fifth went, and he said, Look upon me, O Lord, I offer sacrifice twenty times. Next, the executioners cut off James's right foot, and he said, Now I shall offer a gift to the kingdom of heaven, for love of whom I endure these pains. They cut off the left foot, and he said, It is you who work wonders, Lord. Hear me and save me. They cut off his right hand, and he said, May your mercies help me, O Lord. After the left hand, he said, You are the God who work wonders. Off with the right arm, and he said, Praise the Lord, my soul. In my life I will praise the Lord. I will sing sing to my God as long as I shall be. Now his left arm, and he said, The sorrows of death surround me, and in the name of the Lord I will be avenged. Next it was his right leg, which they cut off at the thigh. The blessed James, striking with unspeakable pain, cried out, saying, Lord Jesus Christ, help me, because the groans of death have surrounded me. And he said to his torturers, The Lord will clothe me with new flesh, upon which the wounds you inflict will not be able to leave a stain. They were exhausted, having toiled from the first to the ninth hour of the day at dismembering blessed James. But now they returned to their task, taking off the calf of the left leg up to the thigh. Blessed James cried out, O Lord and ruler, hear me half alive, Lord of the living and the dead. Fingers, Lord, I have none to hold out to you, nor hands to extend to you. My feet are cut off and my knees demolished, so that I cannot kneel to you. 
and I am like a house that is about to fall because the columns that support it have been taken away. Heed me, Lord Jesus Christ, and lead my soul out of prison. When James has said this, one of the executioners cut off his head. Then Christians came secretly, seized his body, and buried it with honors. He suffered on the 27th day of November. So one of the things that confused me as I was reading it, and I thought might offer some confusion to yourselves while you're listening, is the first time is when he says, The fourth finger was severed, and James said, Protector of the sons of Israel, you are foretold in the fourth blessing, except from your servant the confession of the fourth finger as blessed in Judah. So what that is referring to is in Genesis 49, Jacob is telling his sons, he's offering his blessings and he chooses Judah, his son, as the one who's, you know, the greatest among them. And it's also treated, this when he's speaking to Judah, it's also treated as a prophecy of Christ. And now I want to read to you uh, what he actually says in Genesis 49, it's, it's verses 8 to 12. Judah, you are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From being a shoot, my son, you have grown up. He bows down and slept as a lion and a cub. And who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor lawgiver from his loins, until Shiloh comes." And to him shall be the expectation of the nations. Binding his colt to a vine and his donkey colt to its branches, he will wash his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are gladdened from the wine and his teeth are whiter than milk. So James connects the symbolism of his fourth finger with the fourth blessing of Jacob. Now, why is that exactly? Why are they? Is it just the number four and it's only like a surface thing? I don't know. But I wanted to give it a shot. I wanted to figure this one out. Yet at the same time, understand that I have, I'm not speaking from any kind of place of authority here. I don't know for sure if it was just they're connecting the number four with the number four. And that's it. It was just a surface thing. But maybe he's looking at his own martyrdom. And he's in a place where he's completely helpless. He's having each one of each part of his body cut off. He is at the end of his life. And yet there's this passage that he's referring to that really it's it's um, it's a foreshadowing of Christ and whose Christ is supposed to be in the person of Judah. You shall. You are he who your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's cub. So I think what he's saying here is that though he is helpless, it is Christ is the one who is in charge and has all authority. That there is authority that transcends his current situation, that transcends his his own helplessness. And he is not the one who is the, who is the ruler and the winner quote-unquote, in this situation, but he bows down to the one who is. I think that's what's kind of being shown here. That's my own interpretation. 
And I think that's, in, that's important for at least me to know. I don't know if you struggle with this as well. When you get in a sticky situation or when you're, when you're wronged, you want to be the one who wins in the end. Maybe like me, you're the one who wants to somehow maneuver yourself in such a way that you come out on top in the end, where there are situations in life where you definitely actually won't be. There are some things in life where you come to have to come to you have to come to terms with where you just lose and there's no winning for you. There's no upper hand that you can kind of master. You think that you're righteous because of your religion, or at least I do. I think that I'm the good guy in every situation. Yet maybe sometimes you're not the good guy or maybe sometimes you're just not the winner and you're just going to fail. And I think that can lead to thoughts of revenge, vengefulness, and and getting back at someone. Where really, we need to be like St. James the Martyr, who, though he is completely powerless, he is not getting out of this one. He recognizes that there is an authority and a power, and the winner, though being not him, is someone who he serves. And in his suffering, he serves him. Anyways, that's my own interpretation. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something that I missed and you noticed it. Follow us, Instagram, Facebook, leave a little message, share the episode, give us a little like, give us a little follow. We'd appreciate that. Anyways, thanks very much for listening. And this has been your Daily Dose of Agios. St. James, the Persian, the great martyr, please pray to God for us. Thank you.